Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, here we go. Welcome to this hour of the program. It's Rob Breckenridge with you on a Monday afternoon. Thanks for spending some time with us here today. Uh, our number, once again, 403-974-TALK. That's 974-8255. And uh, we'll get back to the phones uh, and your text a little bit later on, and we've got some other issues to talk about as well. But uh, I want to get right to our next guest, uh, a name I think you all know very well, and a topic that I think is of, of great importance for many reasons. Uh, the book is called Game Change, The Life and Death of Steve Montador and the Future of Hockey. Joining us in studio is the author of this book. Of course, you know him from Team Canada 1972, many Stanley Cups with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, life and law and politics and so much else. Ken Dryden, so great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks a lot, Rob. Uh, look, you've written about hockey before, obviously, uh, but but this is a, a really a different kind of book. And I think fans in Calgary know Steve Montador. He spent some time playing for the Calgary fame, Flames in his career. What's interesting, though, and people are familiar, I think, with this tragic story. You you, you didn't know him. You were like, I guess, the rest of us. And, and we heard this, this shocking news one day that this young man had died. Yes. No, I, I had never met Steve. Um, I was the president of the Leafs from 97 to 2004, uh, and so I must have seen him play, and also later on when he was playing with other teams. Uh, but we never met. I didn't know him. I knew his name. Um, and but I had written articles about concussions and believing that they that that head injuries are the most significant issue facing sports. And uh, and I got to a point where I realized that another article wasn't really the way to do it and that it was I wanted to write a book and and Steve passed away at just about that time and uh, I knew I wanted to write about a person right now was there something about his story because unfortunately you know Steve is is one of kind of a growing list of of names that have had this this kind of tragic outcome but to focus on his story in particular was there something about him um, only, only that he, that he wasn't, um, I didn't want to write about a superstar because that experience seems too separate and, mm-hmm. and too unique. And I didn't want to write about a goon or a fighter. And again, the same thing, somebody who is too different. I wanted somebody who was basically like any other player who, who, um, you know, played with a, had a player's spirit, you know, loved to play, loved the, the, the ice, the locker room, the road trips, the gym, the, uh, the teammates, everything. Uh, and it was kind of all in and where anybody writing or reading about him would, would kind of, would see themselves or see their kids in him so that Steve's story might hit home. Yeah. And I mean, we, you know, we, we think of these NHL players that, once you make it to the big league, you've got it made. You're set for life. But it's it's far from that. These guys that, 
you don't know year to year if you're ever going to play again. You don't know if you're going to stick around. You don't know if someone's going to come in and take your job. Uh, and, and he's one of those guys, and you live with that day to day, year to year. What, am I going to be around here next week, next year? That's right. And, and it was, I mean, he had a very long um, NHL career. He played 11 seasons. He played over 570 games. Yeah. Um, but as you describe, he was he was virtually always what is called a five-six defenseman. He was sort of in the third pairing. You know, the first pairing plays twenty-five minutes, is on power play, killing penalties. The second plays about twenty minutes, and the third, like with Steve, about fifteen minutes. And and at at earlier times in his career, I'm sure that he and those teams that signed him thought that, well, you know, he might become a 3-4. He might become a 3-4. Uh, but never really did, except for short occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, every team has 5-6 defensemen. Every championship teams have 5-6 defensemen. There is a role there for them. And and Steve made a career out of that. In terms then of, of the family, uh, doctors who, who treated him and, and studied him, after the fact, uh, after his death, and studied his brain. I mean, you, you want to include all of that in the story. Was there a, a, a willingness to be a part of this project? The 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 family. I, and before I started writing it, I knew that I needed not just the cooperation of the family, but the enthusiastic cooperation. Because I, again, I didn't know Steve, and it's not like writing a biography of somebody who you know, died a hundred years ago, but was well known where there right. are books written about him or all kinds of other sources. There weren't a lot of sources about Steve. So I was going to mostly get to know him through others and they needed to mostly want me to know about him. And that's what happened. And he is, his friends were the same as former teammates, um, players from, you know, in, in Calgary who were really great. Uh, Rhett Warner was, was, was terrific. Uh, Jamie McLennan, um, um, you know, they were, I'm sorry, McClellan, McLennan. Uh, he was really good. Yeah. Um, uh, Marty Jelena, right. uh, as well. And then, and then, um, uh, um, Jim Playfair, who was an assistant coach, you know, they were all really helpful. Well, what's interesting too, and I mean, there, there's some history in this book because I think it's important to understand where we're at, um, you know, the, the era of the goons, I, I think we're, we're kind of past that, but obviously we've got an issue, I, I think, in, in the here and now with, with headshots and, and concussions and what we know about concussions. But when you go back even further, I mean, even to the time when you were playing and, and before that, what, was this an issue? Yeah. Well, that's, that's the right question to ask. And, and I mean, if you, if, if you talk to former players They'll talk about, oh, yeah, you know, and I, I get my bell rung or, right. you know, that that was the phrase. I think even more common, you'd hear people saying that they got shaken up. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the games, um, that they actually happen much less frequently. And I wasn't sure of that when I started writing. But the, the, the games that were played in the NHL, um, you know... <laughs> until really, you know, the last 20 or 30 years were, were really quite slow. Um, when I was a kid and watching in the late 1950s uh, with the great teams of the Montreal Canadiens and you know, Rocket Richard, Henri Richard, Beliveau, Jeffrey on Moore, all of these players, 
Um, I thought, of course, they they moved 100 miles an hour when they were on the ice. It wasn't until in the early 80s when I was writing the game that I saw, um, I was in the, in the National Archives in Ottawa and asked for all of the the full game clips or, or action that they had and discovered how slow the game was. And it wasn't that they couldn't skate fast. It was that the style of game at that time was very long shifts. Mm-hmm. And so it would be two minutes or more that they'd be on the ice. Henri Richard was over three minutes all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. And so it was a game of kind of coasting, circling, bursting, coasting and circling again with a lot of open ice, a lot of time, uh, not very many collisions and very few forceful collisions because the players aren't moving all that fast. Yeah. If you go ahead to, to the 70s when I was playing, it, it the game was moving faster because the players weren't carrying the puck anymore. They were dumping it into the corner and then racing after it. Well, you can move faster if you don't have the puck. Right. And so, but you also get tired more quickly. And so the shifts were a minute or so. Now they're 35, 38 seconds. They, it's a possession game. It's passing. It's breaking into open ice. It's full sprint when you're on the ice. Get off the boards. The next guy goes on full sprint. Then the next 35 seconds, full sprint all the game. And little space, little time, more collisions, more forceful collisions, and also more forceful because of of the players being a little bit bigger. And that leads to the vulnerability of of the head. So the the era we saw, and and maybe we look at the so-called the Broad Street Bullies, right? From from kind of that era through what people sort of remember as the the mayhem of the the 70s and 80s, kind of that fighting era. Where and we've seen it with some of these players that that you know the cumulative effect of these fights of taking right. punches to the head, that's part of this problem. But are we in a more dangerous era now, where it's not so much the fighting, but it's these these collisions you're talking about? Well, it it, it it's in a different time that way. That's right. I mean that that the that that fighting became in really almost with the flyers a little bit ahead of the flyers, but mostly with the flyers it became sort of a strategy. And, and, and all of a sudden, I mean, because it was a strategy, those who fought started to train to be better fighters. And so that instead of before where you always fought your own fights and you were in very few and you were never very good at them and on ice it's tough anyway, yeah. all of a sudden you're getting into fighters who really know what they're doing, who can cause damage. And, and that was the era really from probably from the 80s on for the next 20 to 30 years and and even now where those that survive or who are still playing um they know what to do i mean they they can hit hard um and and so that is certainly part of it but but when you're when you're on the ice now and it used to be that the stick was considered the most dangerous instrument on the ice and you tried to avoid you know that as much as possible now it really is the body uh, because it's it's so big, it's it has such force behind it, and and with the collisions, and and the body gets better protection with shoulder pads and hip pads and knee pads and things, and attempted better equipment or protection with helmets, but helmets, study after study after study show that they have virtually no or no impact at all or effect on the frequency of concussions or the severity of concussions. 
And so this is just where we find ourselves. And, and the question is, is that, okay, you know, we, we pretend that this is an answer or something else is an answer or something else might be or there are no answers. Where do we find the answers in this, knowing that this is a tough game, a game we love the speed, we love the action, we find it incredibly exciting to play and to watch. So, you know, how do we make it all of those things? And that's what I get into in the book, is that, is that there, there is a way of dealing with this, because really there are not that many moments in a game where there are head hits. And, 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 and if you focus on that and you see when they happen you, and you ask yourself if they weren't there, would the game still be the game? Your answer would be, yeah, it would. It absolutely would. They are really pretty inconsequential moments in a game. And so, you know, that all of the hockey problems have very doable answers. Well, let's take a break on that note. I want to pick up the conversation from there. We're in conversation with Ken Dryden, talking about his latest book, Game Change, The Life and Death of Steve Monitor and the Future of Hockey. We'll also let you know, Ken will be appearing this evening. There's an event 7 o'clock tonight at the John Dutton Theater at the Central Library, and you can get tickets uh, tickets for that through WordFest, wordfest.com. Uh, so we're back with more right after this. Right, welcome back. Rob Breckenridge with you in conversation with Ken Dryden, Hall of Famer. We're talking about his new book, Game Change, The Life and Death of Steve Monador and the Future of Hockey. And that's a, a pretty big question as we've been talking about. Just regarding Steve, though, Ken, I mean, it, we, we look back at these tragic cases and, and you know, we have the benefit of hindsight, but there almost seemed to be almost kind of an inevitability to it that, that what could these guys or what could the game have done differently but were these guys necessarily doomed? Were they necessarily stuck on these trajectories? Did, did it have to happen? Um, no. Um, and, and I think that, that um, uh, I mean, the, the, the biggest part of it is, and, 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 and we, we often are presented with a choice. And, and the choice is, um, well, we've got hockey the way we play, and that's the game. And you don't mess around with the game. You don't change it. It's the way it always has been. Or you decide not to play. You know, that, that, that's, that's, that's your choice. Yeah. And, and what I would argue with that, to, to that is to say, no, that isn't. You know, that those are, you know, that those are not the only choices. The, 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 another choice is, is, that, is that you do decide to play the game, but that this game isn't the only game. This version of the game is not the only version of the game. That's why I spent as much time as I did in the book tracing the game back to the, its beginnings at McGill in 1875. Because those who say the game is the game, you can't change the game, and who love to talk, think of themselves as purists and, and traditionalists and everybody else is, is out to lunch... It's like, no, no, you do not know the history of this game. It started as a no-substitution game where you couldn't make mm -hmm. forward passes. For 54 years, until 1929, you could not pass the puck forward. You had to pass it back. Now, that, going from no forward passes to forward passes, is a pretty significant change in the game. Right. Let alone all the other changes that we've been talking about, of the short shifts... The, you know, the, the, you know the, the, the long shifts and the short shifts and all the rest of it. This game is always changing and, <clears throat> and, and almost always for the better. 
And so, you know, that 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 in 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 terms of this 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 choice of this is what we've got or 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 don't play it. No, sorry about that. I want to play. And I've got kids who want to play. Yeah. Um and we are able to play a game that is just as exciting uh but is also a little bit safer. And that's the challenge of this. Because you, you you look today. I mean, you take a player like Connor McDavid, who is just so in, insanely explosively fast, right? But maybe yeah. in in twenty years, maybe that'll be the norm. Yeah. That when you just when you look at the the advances yeah. of professional athletes, and you got people flying around the ice at that speed, whether it's uh, you know a shorter shift or not, or whether the game changes. When you got people yeah. moving that fast, yeah. they're going to run into each other. It's dangerous, isn't it? Well, and, inherently, I mean, and 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 the way you put it is exactly right. Is is that what? What starts as the exception becomes the norm, and and uh, uh, and so you know that Wayne Gretzky was, or well, Bobby Orr was the exception as a defenseman of rushing the puck up the ice. Well, then it became the norm. Wayne Gretzky, in terms of deciding to move the puck to others and to have a give and go game and to come up the ice with three or four players, that became the norm. Yeah. Now, as you're saying with Connor McDavid, I mean the way in which he moves. Uh, and it is, I mean, he just has a look about him that is different from everybody else. Well, five years from now, 10 years from now, there'll be others that look that same way. And the thing that is terrific, you know, is, is, is how that game is getting better and better, more and more exciting. And, uh, and, and, and a lot of the other elements of the game I mean, it, it's absolutely, it, it's blown them apart. It's, it's like, again, with the, with, with the goons, there's, all, there's essentially no place on a roster for the goons, not because player teams have said, well, we don't want them anymore. It's that in, in, with a short shift, you can't match lines anymore. You end up with a mismatch at times with the guys on the fourth line who can't really play up against the first liners, and you're in deep trouble. So what has happened is that now the fourth line is much more a variation of the first three lines because at least they can skate and play with you know, the, the, right. the, the, the other lines uh, on, on, on the other team. So we're moving in this direction already, and the thing that that amazes me now is that hockey has always been incredibly fast, but it's almost been that it has been too fast for the mind to create, too fast for the hands to manipulate uh, uh, the puck, too fast for, for, for passes to be really made. It seems as if now that the skill level has gotten to the point where the, the skill of the hands, the creativity of the mind have caught up with the speed of the action, and now they've all come together. And it has never been a more interesting, more exciting game and with more possibilities. So it can be fast, but it can also be safer. That's right. I mean, and, and, and you just focus. I mean, there, there are going to be lots of collisions, lots of body contact, lots of body checking. It's the hits to the head. And we already say to ourselves, you know, historically, an elbow, to the, an elbow is to the head. We give it a penalty. You know, a stick, you know, is to the head, high sticking. You know, we give that a penalty. You know, we can do the same thing with other hits to the head that up until now what we've sort of said to ourselves is, well, somehow they're different. Maybe the guy's head was down a little bit. Maybe the head wasn't targeted. Maybe there wasn't intention. Maybe this, maybe that. Well, you know, all of that makes no sense any longer 
because, in fact, a, a hit to the head causes the same effect, whether it was intended or unintended, whether it was a shoulder, an elbow, a, you know, a fist or anything. It's all about hits to the head. It's not about how they're caused. It's about how, the effect that they have. I understand you sent a copy of this to Gary Bettman. Well, we had lunch, and, and I gave him a copy and, and uh, early, well, sort of mid, mid-September. And, and, uh, um, and I think, I mean, I've, I've known Gary Bettman for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is smart. He is capable. He is experienced. And he has, he has the authority, or he is the authority on hockey in the world. And it's not the head of the International Ice Hockey Federation. It's not even the NHL Board of Governors who are his employer. Um, he has earned the role that he has. And so no big decisions are made without either him making them or without contemplation of him and what he might imagine, you know, uh, um, um, uh, you know the NHL position would be. And, and so it is completely doable in terms of the actions that need to be taken and, and, and it is doable, doable because he is the right actor to do them. Well, let's hope he does. The book is called Game Change, The Life and Death of Steve Monado and the Future of Hockey. And again, uh, more this evening. It's at the John Dutton Theater at the Central Library, 7 o'clock this evening. Tickets through wordfest.com. Ken Dryden, thank you so much for coming in here today. It's been great. Thanks a lot, Rob. That is Ken Dryden. The book is called Game Change. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.